All right. This week, we're talking to Ron Renaud. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Good, I was going to say good to have you. Good to be on, John. Good to have me. <laughs> good to have you. <laughs> so Ron was one of my supervisors in uh, my coach training and has always left a distinct, indelible impression. I, I feel like I should call you Ron the Hammer Renaud or something like that. Because... <laughs> Um, but you know, you really helped take my coaching and my whole work to the next level. And I really resonate with your message and stuff. So I was like, I want to talk to you more and and find out more about Ron. So who is Ron? Oh, well, it's good to be here. Uh, Ron the hammer. I like that. Never heard that one before. Well, let's see. I, uh, I grew up a suburban kid and, uh, didn't go to college, headed off to, uh, to be an apprentice Mason, which really means a laborer. Uh, learned my work ethic, you know, certainly from uh, from my dad at home, but uh, certainly when I went to work, uh, that's when I learned you can't you can't mess around, you can't uh, you can't kind of get the job done. You got to get it done one way or the other. And it was only after a couple of years of that that I I realized though, as, as much as I loved the creative work, it wasn't it wasn't really my purpose. It wasn't really why I was here. How did you know that? You know, I just didn't feel. I just, you know, it's funny. I, I haven't really been asked that question. I just, there, there was an urge I had to do something else. And as much as I loved, like I said, I mean, I loved light pouring concrete. I, I still do it today periodically. It's just, it's, it just is, it's a great creative expression. But, you know, I was, I was uh, starting to hang out with an uncle of mine who owned a tanning salon. I, ironically or not, he was the only non blue collar guy in my family and started hanging out with him at his salon at night. And, you know, a customer would come in, I'd step aside, a customer would, you know, go disappear and go to the booth and I would talk to him. And it was the first time I was in a conversation with someone, and particularly on a regular basis, about what's possible and beyond the, you know, go to college, get a job, be happy, retire when you're 65. And it really started waking me up. So what was particular about his, the conversations you had with your uncle? Well, you know, I think like I was just saying is it was the first time that I'd have a conversation that was beyond. So I grew up in Schenectady, New York, and Schenectady is the home of General Electric and a lot of other uh, big stuff from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And the whole mindset really is it's a very blue collar mindset, which is, hey, you know, get yourself set up, get a trade, go to work for the GE, as it was called, the GE, and, you know, put in your time and you retire. And he was the he was he was whistling a very different tune and he lived his life that way, too. And it, it, uh, I probably got a little bit of a rebellious streak in me anyway, but it was, it was, it was different. It was new. And it was something that really was striking a chord in me to start looking beyond, uh, getting out of the the havoc, getting out of the, the rut that we all can get in because this is who my people are. This is where I was born. These are my family and whatever else. And to start looking deeper within. Where did your whole notion of, I, I saw this on your site, tough love, which is but I definitely experienced from you. Where, how did you develop that? Well, um, geez, you know, I think it's certainly something that, that came and continues to get honed over time. I think there's probably a, a, a beautiful balance that I try to strike, but, um, I'm probably unsuccessful sometimes (laughs) one way or the other, but I think tough love certainly requires someone being willing to speak the hard truth to you for the sake of your growth. And uh, doing it in a way, of course, that you can hear, even though maybe in the moment it's not really pleasant and you don't want to hear it, but it's it's for your own good. And ultimately, the relationship isn't severed, but but strengthened after the one is willing to receive it. You know, in fact, I know you you sort of as a term of endearment called me the hammer a little while ago. And, you know, uh, you tell me if I'm wrong, of course, but uh, 
you've got a certain degree of respect for me that even had you put me on here because of how I engaged you. And I told you, you know, every which way I thought you were falling short and every which way that I thought you actually were, were, were nailing it. Yeah. No, and it was, I think what was refreshing and a little scary was in my other groups and trainings, it had been very nurturing, very like if you, if you almost did remotely, okay. It was like, Oh, that was so helpful, John. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I remember in our first interaction. So for anyone that doesn't familiar with this, it's basically you record a session with a client with their permission, and then you take it to your supervisor. They listen to it and they pick it apart. And so this particular session that Ron was listening to, he was like, he's like, dude, where are we going? I am like falling asleep over here. This, like, <laughs> you have totally lost me. You are just like wandering. All over. Like, where are we going? Why are we here today? And I was like, oh, I thought I was, you know, I'm a meeting facilitator. I thought I'm doing okay here. <laughs> but there was, I think it was your sense of humor. It was your directness that it was the sense of humor part, I think. And also you were just kind of uh, irreverent and I don't know. It, it's totally worked for me. What's funny is I shared with someone else, uh, inside the co the CTI community that, you know, you're my supervisor and, and they were like, Oh, I've heard he makes people cry. <laughs> so, <laughs> have you ever people, have you made people cry? I, well, no, but I've heard that rumor before too. <laughs> so maybe somebody's crying somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, but I think, uh, you know, the, the, one of the things that I, I think is very, very important to discover somebody's your, your purpose, right, is to be faithful to whatever role you're engaged in. In those moments, I'm, I'm a supervisor, I'm a mentor. And, you know, if I just start, you know, nurturing has many faces. And if I just start nurturing you with love and just, you know, petting you and patting you on the head and telling you what a good boy you are and how good it is. And even though it's not quite this and that, you know, I probably said this to you because I say it to everybody that I, I mentor is, you know, I... I want you to walk away with clarity as to what makes you a better coach and what you need to do, because I'd much rather have you get that information than have this be a love fest and have you be at all confused or not, or not sure exactly what to do. So it's not about damaging somebody as much as it's about giving it to them straight. And, you know, I think if you can laugh and joke and have some fun along the way and, and, um, you know, really if you give a darn about somebody, if you care, then you'll, you know, they'll feel that and they'll actually hunger for that, which you've got for them as well. How do you translate this to personal relationships? Yeah, well, there's the, there's the kicker, isn't it? Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> where before we got on, we were talking, um, uh, and I said, Oh, just give me a second. My son was making something with the Vitamix, which your brilliant ears picked up. And I was getting irritated because I thought, you know, here I am, you know, I've got a, I've got a guy that's, you know, asked me to come on the podcast and I want to be here, of course, for him and integrity matters, be on time and show up and be ready to do your thing. And, and, um, you know, he said, look, you know, you know, dad, I, I, I didn't know. And I didn't know it was so important. And, uh, you know, I was getting, I was getting edgy and I said, you know what, this is my responsibility. I said, you could do it. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, I think there's something about being able to speak the hard truth to somebody, but also being willing to uh, receive the hard truth yourself and accept responsibility when you're off as well. Because, you know, if you're a truth speaker, but you're also arrogant and don't have much space to be corrected yourself, well, your your degree of influence goes way down and your capacity to influence over time is shot. Mm. And how does empathy so I had a recent, so one of the things from the training that we did is all around this idea of a saboteur. I, I don't like that term. I call them gremlins. And the mm -hmm. idea that if you, you and kind of like this nurturing thing that you're talking about, if you, if you, 
embrace or focus too much on these negative voices or these gremlins, you're coaching, you're coaching that thing and it never goes anywhere. And so one of the techniques is to sometimes just ignore it. Right. And so I, I've noticed a pattern in a personal relationship where those things come up and without trying to be too much of a coach, I'm driving around them to just say like, what do you want it to be different here? Like, let's move on. Yeah. And their critique is, where's your empathy? You don't even care. And it's like, <laughs> well, I ultimately care about you as a person, but I can't hang out in this narrative anymore about how bad the past was. And that's why the future can't change. And what, yes, how do you do that in personal relationships? Well, and I love the way you're saying, I mean, part of, part of engaging a client is to uh, educate them as to what the, you know, what in the heck we're even doing together. Um, and this isn't a client. That's where it gets tricky. Oh, well, I, this okay, is a personal so, no. relationship. Okay, great. So, you know, okay. So one of the challenges, and this may have been a conversation you and I even had when I was doing supervisions with you is, you, you know, you can't, you can't really effectively and certainly over time coach a family member, a friend, because you've got an agenda for them. You want something for them. And that's always going to be riding riding the relationship and won't let you just, you know, chill out and have, you know, a couple too many nachos or, you know, would do whatever that, that might not be as productive behavior as, as you want to uh, otherwise endorse or engage in. But, you know, I think with personal relationships, you're going to have to find yourself around people that, uh, you know, that you really are up to the, up to the same stuff as you in terms of the, 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 I don't know, the quality of the level of, uh, intense engagement around truth. I mean, for me, the people that I spend my time with is they, they've got to be truth seekers. They've got to be more committed to truth than, you know, looking good or feeling, feeling good sometimes. And, and in that, then, you know, I've got lots of sympathy or, or excuse me, a lot of empathy and a lot of mercy for them. And for me, as, as we're falling down and trying to pick ourselves back up and live according to this really high standard. And so I think it's an integral part of the process is hold a really high standard and have plenty of space for yourself and for others when they, when they fall short, but the standard had better be, I mean, I call it truth, reality, um, living one's best self. Otherwise, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do a relationship otherwise. So I, I'll misspeak if I, if I say too much more about being in a relationship where that isn't the centerpiece. Same more about like, what is pursuing truth? Like how, how do you define truth? You know, whenever, I, whenever I, ask that question to myself or someone asks me, I always think of the, uh, I don't know how biblically literate you are, but there's that. Oh, very, uh, more than you would imagine. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm going to talk about. Then, I don't so. know. Well, there's oh, well, well, the truth. Some people believe there's the truth with a capital T as my yeah. tradition would say, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely believe there's transcendent truth that whether you like it or not, whether you're a Christian, Jew, Muslim, agnostic or atheist, like it, it just exists with or without you. And you can slam yourself up against the, the rock that it is, or you can stand on it. Now, um, I'm not, uh, affiliated in any way with any, with any formal religion, but the line that I was going to, uh, recall for both of us was the line when, uh, Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate and basically says, you know, Hey, I, I can, I could free you right now. And, uh, Jesus, you know, talks about him being the, the way the truth, truth and the light and the, uh, uh, Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? And, um, you know, there are truths. We know that, you know, we can certainly go beyond the, 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 the physical truths of gravity and inertia and those types of things. But we also, you know, one of the, the ones that I like to cite most readily is 
the law of compensation or karma or give and take, you know that you're pretty quickly rewarded if you've got a, a positive vibe and you put the good stuff out there, you're going to get that back. I mean, immediately you feel better. Your life in this moment is better um, as opposed to if you're pissy and cranky and, you know, being rough or rude with people, then, you know, not only are you paying for it in so much distance from, you know, the better part of you, uh, what I would call, you know, your center, right? Um, but you're also going to pay for it because this relationship is now going to suffer. And, you know, of course, that has its ripple effects. So, you know, I think truth has a few different layers. But when we deny that there's anything higher or or infinite beyond ourselves, you're going to live a self-referential life and you're going to consistently suffer in your relationships and, in, you know, in your in your relationship with yourself. Because you will fail yourself. What you want and what you feel and what your thoughts are are not eternally uh, uh, consistent and helpful. <laughs> mm. What are some of the reference points you use for your own life? Oh my gosh. Well, I do the very best I can to speak what is true to the very, very best of my ability. So, you know, we were talking about my uh, the calls that I was doing with you. I mean, I try to do my very best to say it exactly as I see it recognizing that those around me, if, if I'm surrounding myself with good people, will do their very best to do the same and correct me when I'm off and um, endorse what I'm saying uh, when, when I'm right to uh, basically strengthen my, my sense of what is out in the world. And you know, the, the better the grasp of reality that you have, the more effective you're going to be to create change in yourself and others. Um, so truth is certainly a, a, a reference point. You know, and, and you mentioned empathy earlier. I think having mercy and, and, and empathy and compassion for, for other people and uh, seeing how you can make a difference for others as well. You know, just, we just got a bum up in upstate New York. We just got a bunch of snow. So, you know, you see the old lady across the street that's struggling, tell her to go inside and have a cup of tea and uh, to enjoy the view and go to take care of it for her. I mean, that's a simple example, but, you know, as we can make a difference for others, um, those are certainly uh, reference points for, you know, how I try to live. What else is important to you in your life? My gosh, <laughs> my children, my wife. Uh, if I can make this world a little bit better place by being here and uh, in those that I touch, that's that's a life well lived. And uh, you know, I can die at ease. That's 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 it. And so. You know, I'm a big fan of the belief that at every moment you're either creating more heaven in the world or more hell. And if on a regular basis I can, to the very best of my ability, add to the uh, the heaven quotient or the <laughs> the heaven uh, side of the of the equation, um, I'm uh, I'm a happy guy. And so actually, even you know, as soon as we're done with our our time here, I'll go out to my son and just make sure I didn't leave anything undone in, in our conversation because look, he he didn't do anything wrong. I'm the father, and I allowed something to happen, and I got frustrated. And if it's clean, it's clean between us. If it's not, then I'll do what it takes because there's no need for, you know, creating anything that causes resentment and frustration or leaving anything that's, that's been unsaid. So I love yeah. it. I love it. You mentioned before we got on to that you're working on a talk that I'm assuming is, is in this vein of making the world better. Say more about this, this talk you're working on. Well, my friend, you're opening up a can of worms, which is probably just what you want to do anyway. So, <laughs> um, all right. So listen, I think, uh, we could talk globally, but I, what I know better than, uh, what's going on in, you know, Niger or, uh, you know, 
Thailand. I know what's going on in America, which is, you know, great division and people being very, very impatient with each other and conversations that were much easier had and moved on to, you know, like around politics and religion that were just like, oh, okay, you're this and you believe that. Ah, you're an idiot. Ah, you're crazy. I don't believe that. No, it's more like this that you could then move on with and just watch the game or whatever else you're going to do with people. Man, this it's cutting right. These conversations are cutting right to the heart of people's identity, uh, or so they feel. And there is so much fierce division, and we are not pointed in the same direction anymore. Oftentimes, and um, as we're as we're pointed off in 17 different directions, we're 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 really creating for ourselves. I would say hell, and. It's, it's driven in part by laziness, but it's driven in large part by complete ignorance. We don't understand the principles that make people free. We don't understand the principles that keep us free. And so how the hell can we, can we go do more of that or create more of that out in the world? And so we act in a way that creates more chaos and we vote for people that do more of the same. So the, the, the talk that I'm writing is about recognizing the principles of internal freedom. How can I help you? John, be the very best man you can be to live out the very best uh, life you can, your life on your terms, or what I talk about living uncompromised. Uh, and then if we can recognize those principles, if you can clean up your own act, right? I talk about people brushing their teeth. If you can't brush, floss, and rinse at the end of the day, you think you're going to, you've got it all figured out about world politics or what Trump is doing or shouldn't doing, be doing or, you know, whatever. Like, give give me a break. You, you've got very little influence in society because you've got very little influence over what's going on in your mouth. So <laughs> clean up your own act first. <laughs> right. So it's, it's like, I, I, I juxtapose, and then I'll shut up here, but it's, I juxtapose natural responsibility with natural right. You know, everybody who has a natural right, everybody's like, I got rights, I got rights. Well, yeah, you've also got responsibilities. And if you don't, if you don't uh, balance out the scales with that recognition and, and, and that practice, then it's no different than eating a diet of just constant sugar. You, the society is going to break down just like your body would break down. So what are you recommending to people to do to maintain that balance? I say it's sort of tongue in cheek, no pun intended about brushing your teeth, but uh, I'm serious. You know, when, when, I, when I work with people one-on-one or when I'm having a, a conversation in you know, a larger audience setting, it's, man, what are the things you know you need to do? Go do those things. You've got a relationship you need to clean up. Go have that conversation. You've got, uh, you know, some some bills you need to pay, or some emails you need to get to, or some things that you know that you've been avoiding. You go handle those things. You know, and and, and I think we're really we're busy, absolutely busy. But we also spend a lot of time on our computers and on our phones and in in in, in activities that don't really serve us in in living our very best lives. And what we need to do is slow down. And to think through some things. And I would say one of the things we need to think through is who are we? First thing you did is you asked me who I was. And how do we live faithfully to those things? I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a son. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a coach. I'm a mason. I'm a lot of things. How do I faithfully execute the office of <laughs> father? And if I haven't thought those things through, if I haven't been really deliberate in, in living out what I've thought through, well, then, you know, every day is going to be a series of casualties that I'm, I'm constantly recovering from. And, and that's, that's what people fall into far, far more frequently than I think we have to. If we would just slow it down a little bit 
And what and, would and what would you course. say to those people? I mean, the classic response here is, "But Ron, I don't have time." Well, right. Your your life is your life is your time. That's all. That's all you've got. And so, how many more years do you want to experience the suffering, the chaos, the the lack of meaning, the the upset, the frustration with yourself and with other people? It's it's really, you know, we we need to get divorced, or we need to have someone die in our in our family, or we need to get an illness or something like that that wakes us up. Well, you know, there's probably a more elegant way, and that's to slow down and go. Wait a second, I'm sleepwalking my way through life. I don't even know how the hell I got to work today because I'm daydreaming about being someplace else because I just don't even want to be here. And so just like everything else that's worth having in life, you've got to discipline yourself to do something. So, you know, if anybody's listening and is struggling with this stuff. Yeah. What would be the first steps that you would give out there or first places to start for the, I don't have any time. Feel that initiative that, that the motivation rise in you that enough is a damn enough. That's like, it's, it's over. Like it now is the time because tomorrow is not going to be more convenient. And next week sure as heck is not going to be. So get on your calendar right now and just carve out a couple hours. Just start. I mean, even smaller, start out with an hour, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, we can keep going small, but like five minutes meditate. I don't know, but grab an hour and just list your roles. What are your roles? What are the things you do? Like your job, your familial roles, maybe with a church or, or religious organization, uh, as a, as a citizen, right? What are your civic roles that you might, uh, possess? You might be part of the democratic, you know, committee or the, you might just be as a voter or whatever. If you're to be faithful as a citizen, what does that mean? Well, that means, gee whiz, I guess I, I guess I should start by educating myself before the election next time. Well, what month is this? It's February. I got a lot of time before that happens. Okay, great. So I don't have to do anything with that right now. But that's a, a sober, conscious decision rather than the emotional one that comes November 1st or 2nd or whatever, the day before when we started cramming through all the pamphlets and looking through the newspapers <laughs> and just going up for our emotions. Uh. Right? And the same thing goes as being a dad. Like, what does it really mean to be a mom or a dad or a good brother? Really, what does that mean for you? Do you, as a good brother, do you call your brother? Do you make sure you connect every so often? Do you, do you go out to dinner? Do you speak the hard truth? Do you forgive? I, I, I don't know what it is for you, but until we think those things through, man, it's, it gets to be a lot of hit or miss. Now, it's not like going to be that in every, in every relationship, right? Because we're, we're, we're really successful in some relationships and others we, we struggle with. Right. So take the time to do your thinking, man. In the back to this idea of, you know, being involved in society and making things better. And one of the things I had to do recently was just stop following the news. Like yeah. I kind of know what's going on. Uh, at the, my co-working space, there's a Wall Street Journal someone leaves behind. So I flip through that and I cheat now and then. But I just found that Twitter and Facebook was just crushing me just mentally, just, just like all the, Oh no, this is happening. Oh no, this could happen. What's, what's your take in terms of this idea of being informed and knowing what's going on and I can't do anything about this. It's better not to know. Yeah. Well, it goes to the conversation we were having too, I think before you, you hit record, which was about uh, responsibility, which, you know, is really the theme of everything we're talking about here. You know, for, for years, I studied the principles of what would be called Americanism or the, the principles of uh, that America was founded on. And I got really involved with the study of history and current events. And it became completely overwhelming for me about, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. And it corresponded with the time when I was I was having my children. So it just was I didn't have the bandwidth to deal with it. You know, and so it's not like you have a, a an absolute 
responsibility that you must know everything and be, you know, take part in every conversation. You can't, you know, you don't have, uh, if you can follow the metaphor, laid on your heart, so to speak, the capacity and the responsibility to be concerned about child uh, uh, obesity, uh, like Shriners hospitals with, with, with kids with burns and St. Jude's with childhood cancer. And what about the kids that are, uh, you know, being sold in sex slavery. You haven't, have you thought about that yet? No. Well, what about Black Lives Matter? Oh, well, what about, you know, there's a thousand different charities, a thousand, it, 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 does, it doesn't ever end. And you, you don't have the bandwidth to do something with all of that. And so, you know, taking responsibility for yourself is taking responsibility and recognizing what is important for you and acting on that. Now, I'm losing sight of the question we started with it was, here. It was, I guess it was the idea of staying in touch with current events to be informed oh, and knowing yeah. what's going on. I mean, one, one, a few things I read, like Chris Brogan had this article about, you know, hey, if you can't do anything about it, like if you personally can't change it, is really immersing yourself in all the details of it really helping you? Yes, And right. so I'm just wondering how you sort that out for yourself. Well, you know, if, if I was talking with him, I'm sure we could arrive at a common a common ground. I mean, certainly there's something to be said about it. Well, if you can't do anything with it, then yeah, get the hell out of there. However, that said, you know, just you cleaning up your act, just by you taking care of yourself, just by you living your best life to the best of your ability, which you've got your hands full with that. Face it. We all do. We <laughs> yeah. all do. Um, that already sets a standard for yourself and sets a standard for those around you. This is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be a good individual in society, which doesn't mean you should belong to the Democrat or Republican Party or you should be doing anything in particular. But if you work on yourself and really, really uh, start following through on the things that you know, like I said, your hands are full and you begin to become an example for the way things are done, for self-reliance, for uh, interdependence in various aspects of life. Um, and so then when you see I mean, because look, at, we could we could watch the news, and I don't think Fox is giving it to you quite straight, and I don't think you know. I don't think uh, anyone does. CNN is no, and so you got to spend your whole life trying to root through all sorts of this stuff. I think there's some value to it. I think it's some value to it for some people, but yeah, to to I think what you're you're pointing to right here, if that's not where your call is, if that's not where you're meant to spend your life, uh, then then get the hell out of the the news and all that other jazz. And this is to me why it's it's most important to study principle anyway. Because if you can study the principles of, say, freedom or the principles of success or the principles of virtue, then you can quickly overlay those on any given situation. And you don't have to spend your whole life muddling through the facts of a particular story. You can just recognize that as soon as you start walking down that path, we're already heading in the wrong direction. And I choose no to that. So that begins to answer a bunch of questions, I think. Mm, and I love, I love the choose no, the, the conscious choice. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great quote by, um, I think it was James Madison, and he talked about, uh, I'm getting all Americana on you here, but he said, the free men of America didn't wait until usurped power, had strengthened itself by exercise, and entangled the question in precedent. They saw the question of the free men, saw, they saw the, the, the precedent, excuse me, they saw the consequence in the principle and denied the consequence by denying the principle. And so, you know, it always starts with the first things. What's the most important thing is the principle, is the truth. And if you can see that, if you breach the principle that it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, give and take, or the principle might be uh, about, uh, you know, being honest, we'll just say that. 
And as soon as you breach that principle, and if I start to be a little bit dishonest with you or a little bit deceitful or, or you know, uh, deceitful by omission, I'm already heading in the wrong direction. And my thoughts and my, my words and my so-called teachings should be questioned immediately. Because if I can't be straight with you, wh- what am I doing really when nobody's looking? What books, resources, people would you recommend if someone someone's listening to this and is like having an aha moment of like, oh my gosh, I need to get started somewhere on this stuff. Where would you point them? Well, without, uh, <laughs> you can get my book, Uncompromised. That's a good place. I, I mean, I'm, I really think it's an effective book to continue the conversation that you and I are having. Um, but I've, I've been reading some really great books recently. I just finished um, a book by, I don't know if you know who Jordan Peterson is, but I mean, he's, he's gotten huge all around the world now. Uh, I found him about, <sighs> It was maybe October of 2016, and he had just begun to make some waves on the internet. And now he's—I mean—he's got two best-selling. Well, no, his other book isn't, isn't a best-selling book, but his his book that just came out is a best-selling book. It's like number one in in Kindle, and number one also uh, uh, on Amazon in terms of its hard copy. What's the title? Uh, it's thank you. It's called uh, Twelve. Jeez, uh, I just put it. It's in the other room. It's, I think it's called Twelve Lessons for or Twelve Life Lessons or something like that. But it's Jordan Peterson. But last year, it, spent, it took me a year to write or read his first book called Maps of Meaning, and it's like a 500-page book. It's a huge book, and it's also like tiny print, but uh, that's an amazing book that talks about the, um, the, the archetypes and the, uh, the, the, the patterns of life and the symbols uh, that, that we're used to in our lives of, you know, the archetypes of male and female and... Um, uh, I guess we could go more general to the masculine and the feminine, but I don't want to get bogged down on that. That's a great book. Um, I'm also reading a book called Post, uh, Explaining Postmodernism, and uh, I'm a big Ralph Waldo Emerson fan. If anybody's never read uh, uh, Self-Reliance, dear God, go online and download a copy of uh, the PDF, Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. All right. Yeah, man. Anything else? <laughs> I could probably say a whole lot more, but better <laughs> no, stop me here. No, well, no, and just in terms of books or resources or other things you want to mention. Well, resources. I mean, you know, look, there's there's good personal growth stuff out there for sure. I, I'm just a big fan, whether I'm talking to a coach or or anybody in the world who's wanting to grow themselves, is we really stink at giving ourselves permission, so to speak, to do the things that we love. You know, you might really love exercising. You might love uh, playing baseball or picking up your guitar and playing. And we put it off. We put it off till it's more convenient. We've got another time. We medicate it by hanging out with people who probably don't build us up so much or by drinking or, you know, doing a hundred different things. But the more that we can really engage ourselves in the things that really turn us on, the more uh, likely we are to find and live our purpose and, and live a more meaningful life, no matter what it is that we're doing, whether we work for the the state or whether we're construction workers or you're, you know, somebody at the grocery store or whatever. And what would you say just in getting started? Cause I realize it's a deep topic, but someone says to you, but Ron, I have no idea what my purpose is. I don't even know yeah. what I'm passionate about. What do I do now? I believe your first purpose in life is to discover your purpose. So it's like, okay, it's almost like, um, I'm going to cycle it back to the coaching thing, even though <laughs> maybe most people listening aren't coaches, but that's like someone saying who wants a better life, but says, yeah, but I don't know what I want. Well, it's like, yeah, brother, come on into the coaching. <laughs> That's what I help you figure out. What do you want? Right. Same thing. So your starting point in terms of your purpose is 
to know that you have one and to get to work to finding it. And and the very first thing I tell everybody, as I mentioned before, is if you want to get up at five in the morning, I don't care what it takes. Get up at five o'clock in the morning. If in order to do that on a regular basis, you need to be in bed by 10, hell or high water, get your rear end in bed, do it. Because again, if you cannot get yourself to follow through, and I'm not talking about, of course, you know, I got kids. It's crazy. I got one home with chicken pox. The other one's been home for two days with the flu. You know, I had to say, you know, I had to, I had to make some change of plans. I had to, I was up a little bit later last night than I would have been otherwise. We know that there are exceptions, but we end up living by our exceptions and making them the rule of our lives. And they, they certainly do rule our lives, but we have to start figuring out the structure for what a life that really works for us and grows our clarity around what we want is. And again, if that's how you eat, if that's what time you get up, it's how you move your body, it's how you engage people. We just have to do a better job of following through on those things and and making it our mission number one. I love what you just said there about living by our exceptions. Yeah. Because yeah, it just becomes like, well, exception, exception, exception. And before you know it, the exception is the rule. It's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. And then those exceptions rule your life. And that's, you know, the, the idea for me with compromise you know, you and I say we're going to decide, oh, we're going to, hey, Ron, we're going to do the podcast at 12 o'clock. And I say, ah, that's not going to work. Can we do one? Uh, can we do 1230, Ron? Okay, that's a compromise. We compromise. That's good stuff. And that's how you have a healthy relationship out in the world with yourself in the world. But the kind of compromise I'm talking about is when you, you don't follow through on what you know, when you don't act in accordance with who you are at your best. Those are compromises that, that, that don't fly. And when you live by compromise, 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 your life is a compromise. And that's when you start saying things like, I don't have time. You bet. You are so far from your center that you actually, uh, you, you, you believe that. Now, of course, of course, there's exceptions. Listen, man, I'm, I'm remarried, but I'm, I'm also have been divorced. Every other week, I live in New York, and I'm a single dad. And I do everything. I cook and clean. I mean, boys help, but I cook and clean. I help with the homework. I'm, you know, I'm everything. And I can't imagine being a single mom or dad in in a tougher situation than I'm in. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, we're either 100% victim or 100% responsible. And that person who has it really, really, really tough still is not a victim. They still get to have a toehold in something and recognize that they get to build their life one breath at a time in terms of how they speak to somebody else, how they speak to themselves. And through that, you, you'll change your life. It might not be as fast as you'd like. My life doesn't change as fast as I'd like it to. But I think there's a big problem with us not being as patient with, uh, with ourselves as we need to be in order to uh, facilitate the kind of change that's, you know, that's required in terms of, uh, of creating the things that we want. You really touched on something that's super important to me with the whole notion of the victim mindset, personal ownership. As we kind of wrap up here, what what are some things that you are on the lookout for yourself when you know that you're starting to fall into that victim mindset? Are there any warning signals or signs? Oh, yeah. You know, we teach what we need to learn is, uh, you know, this morning I set my alarm for, uh, for 4.30. I didn't get up at 4.30. Why? I was so tired. I got up. I was in bed really late. Yeah, totally legit excuses. Totally, you know, legitimate. It's I got it. But I agreed to myself. Look, it's going to be hard. But when four thirty hits, jump out, get in the shower because as soon as that happens, that wakes you up, and then you're off and rolling. And what happened at four thirty? I was like, well, that's earlier. I, the excuses started flying. That's earlier than I normally do. <laughs> if I get up at five, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I mean, I still end up getting up at like it was like five fifteen. Again, not a big deal. Not horrible but completely contrary to the agreement I made with myself. And so when I start, you know, 
when I start excusing myself and it's only this once and it's just now and you're tired and you deserve and it's, you know, it's his fault or it should be different. It's like, oh, as soon as you start hearing that uh, parade of nonsense, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, you're already probably you're gone. But uh, one or two of those ought to be plenty of evidence to uh, even the tone of one usually is, is key enough to let you know that you're heading in the wrong direction. I love it. Love it. Well, where could people find out more about Ron Renaud if they want to? Oh, you can go to ronrenaud.com. Uh, you can check out uh, my podcast. It's, it's on there as well. Or if you're going to go to Libsyn, uh, or L-I-B-S-Y-N, uh, and my podcast is called Uncompromised Talk. You can check that out. And, uh, you know, certainly my book's on Amazon. And I'm on Twitter. So uh, come hang out with me. Talk with me. Argue with me. Let's have a great conversation and find truth together. Love it. Well, thanks for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Great. John, thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. If you have questions or ideas around the podcast, send those to podcast at johnpolster.com. Thank you.